you to pray. Pray in the Psalms. And I'm in 139. Just going to pray a part of this psalm. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Lord, you are so close to us right now. You know everything that we're thinking and going through. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Yes, Heavenly Father, you are a great God. There is no one like you. And we bring our prayers and petitions to you, our cares and concerns and burdens, and we lay them down before you. And we trust you, Lord, that you hear from heaven and that you will answer and do great and mighty things which we do not know. And so we lift up families to you this morning at all stages of life. We pray that you will support and nurture and encourage and bless families within our church and our community, Hanover County, within our state, country, and even around the world, Lord. Bless the family unit and protect it. And thank you for ministries like the Family Foundation that work hard to protect and support families. For marriages, Lord, they're certainly under attack in our land. And we pray for marriages, Father, today, that you would strengthen them and undergird them, especially Christian marriages, that they would turn to you and rely on you when they go through hard times. Bless teenagers, Father, those that are graduating college and high school, especially, Lord, today. We pray that you are guiding them and leading them along the path you want them to go, but especially in their spiritual growth. We pray that they will always put you first, even if they find themselves in challenging circumstances and situations, that they'll lean hard on you and find you to be a help in their time of need. For children and even the preborn. We lift them before you this morning. We know that you love them so much and you wanted the children to come to you. You never turned them aside. So, Lord, we trust that you are right there with children today. We pray for the Hanover School Board and other boards within our state that have really trying and difficult, challenging circumstances and decisions ahead of them. We pray that you would strengthen them and give them wisdom as they seek your face. And the Hanover Board of Supervisors as well. We thank you for godly men and women that you placed in positions of authority within our neighborhoods and within our county in the sheriff's office and also in the fire department and and other leaders, Lord. We lift them up to you today and we thank you at the local level that we can be a witness for Christ there using our gifts and abilities that you've given to serve you. And we thank you for a time of prayer this morning. Thank you for hearing our prayers and for answering. And we'll entrust them to you in your timing. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Okay, I'm going to, instead of just dismissing the children today in just a moment, I'm going to invite them to come up with me. And uh, I'm going to dismiss them, you from up here. So children, come on up front like you used to do. <laughs> some, of, some of you, maybe you're, you're new here within the last year or so. We, we stopped doing this for a while, but we're doing it again. So I want to I wanna have the kids with me and I want to pray for them and send them off. to see each and every one of you today and uh, it's been a long time since I've been able to have you up front and pray with you so I'm, I'm so glad that you're here today so let's pray Lord I thank you for the children that are here today that you love them so much and that their parents have brought them to learn about you and are teaching them themselves I thank you for their class that they're about to go to where they will learn more about Jesus and bless their teacher in Jesus name we pray amen bless you yeah. Yeah, they're sweet. Okay. I'm beginning a two-week kind of like a little mini-series on the topic of marriage. And I know that topic can be hard for some folks that aren't married, maybe that want to be. So I, I do want to be sensitive to you and your circumstance, but also just to proclaim what God's word says. We, we have to do that as well. For about 25 percent of the adults in our country are unmarried. So it is a substantial group. Hopefully you'll find something in the next couple of weeks that will encourage your heart one way or the other. And especially with those that are graduating high school and college, I particularly wanted to focus on you guys and direct my remarks toward younger Never married. I'm entitled this sermon today, Marathon Marriages, because I want your marriage to make it over the long haul. So let me ask a question. You can raise your hand if you want to. You are or were married for over 40 years. Do we have any in that category? Quite a few. Okay, how about 50 years? Were or are married over 50 years? How about that, folks? Okay, it's getting harder now. Over 60 years. We have a couple in the back. The Francis's win the prize. And, and Mr. Allen. Brad Allen also was married for over 60 years. That's fantastic. Anyone over 70 years? Okay, nobody raises their hand. My dad's parents, you have been, Mildred, over 70 years married? Mildred, you didn't raise your hand. Can we give Mildred a, a hand clap too? Over 70 years. That's, that, that's astounding. My, my dad's parents... We're married 69 years and 11 months when my grandmother passed away. They almost made it to 70 years. And I thought, wow, a lot of people don't even live that long. And they were married that long. That's just astounding to me. And then whenever I'd visit grandma and grandpa, grandpa was always kissing on grandma. And she'd try to, you know, shoo him away or whatever. And I thought, he's hugging and kissing her constantly. So I wondered, what was their secret for keeping romance and spontaneity alive in their relationship? And Dave Barry says it's senility. They, they barely recognized each other. So they have novelty going for them, at least. But I have a hunch if you've been married 70 years or more, you have a lot more going for you than just novelty. A lot of couples are very optimistic 
in their pre-marriage counseling classes that, that I, I do with the couples. And, you know, they're so starry eyed and, and they all think my marriage is going to go the distance. It reminds me of the guy who fell off the 95th floor of a building and on his way down, he passed a man on the balcony on the 45th floor. And he said to him, so far, so good. And that's kind of how marriage can be. It seems like at the beginning we're doing very well. And everyone thinks their marriage is going to last. No one thinks, I bet I've got a good five years in me tops. But in 2019, I looked up, these are the latest stats from the CDC on marriage. And their stats say still about half of the marriages in America end in divorce. And 79% of those who divorce remarry. Oklahoma's divorce rate was an astounding 65%, while Hawaii's was 20%. I would have thought it would have been just the opposite, that the average marriage lasts about eight years. And more and more older folks are getting divorced. The divorce rate for those over 50 has doubled in the last 20 years. And if you've asked people that are going through a divorce or have gone through one, was this planned? Of course, they would say no. Are there things that we can do to reduce the likelihood of separation? And there are. And those main reasons for divorce are incompatibility, infidelity, and financial issues, especially debt. So let me share with you four pieces of advice that I would give to you know, young people out there. To If you put these things into practice, your chances of going through a long haul and have a marathon marriage go up considerably. And the first thing is spend careful time in the selection process. Okay, you know, the, you, those of you who are in real estate, the key thing is location, location, location. When it comes to marriage, the key thing is who, who, who. It's critical because marriage is hard even with the right person. If you marry the right person that you're very compatible with, it's still going to be a challenge. So if you're not compatible with that person, they're not the right person for you, really going to be harder. But, Pastor, don't you believe in love at first sight? I definitely believe in lust at first sight. And I know that God can even use that initial attraction to pull people together and that they do stay together a, a long time. Like Adam and Eve, when they first met, Adam said something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing it, wow. This is it at last. One exactly like me. So I'm speaking to young people again. I think you should have a checklist. Young marrieds, for the most part, have no, or young couple, young singles, have no idea what they really want in a mate. And they may marry a non-Christian just as quickly as they would a Christian person because they're in love. So the Bible is very clear on what I think is the first and most important component in marriage, they must be a Christian. Let me read two passages. Second Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? First Corinthians seven thirty nine. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes. But he must belong to the Lord. So Christian young people can grow up in dysfunctional homes, just like unsaved people. So I'm convinced that they have a homing device in their head, like radar, that attracts them to the exact wrong person. 
especially like an example would be you grew up in an alcoholic home. You're, you're a female. And for some strange reason, you're just drawn to that guy that's exactly like dad, who you said you would never find anyone like. So you marry that guy. And within six months, you realize I made a horrible mistake. Or maybe it's all my friends are getting married, so I better hurry up and get married, too. But that's changing. The average age now for marriage, for the man, it's 30, and for the woman, it's 28. And much of that is due to the fact that couples are cohabitating together before marriage. They're giving it a trial run, a test drive. But those couples who cohabitate together have a higher divorce rate than those who do not. It's up 29%, cohabitating 29% since 2007, and highest among the group aged 50 and over. So what do we have on our checklist so far? Must be a Christian. Don't live together before you get married. What else? Spiritual compatibility. Very important. Again, is this person saved? Do they read God's word? Do they go to church? Are they interested in spiritual things? Are you? Character compatibility. Are they a person of integrity? Can you trust them? Does their life demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit? Do they handle time and money well? Do you? Relational skills. How about their relationship with you? Is it solid? With your friends? With your family? Do they communicate well? Do you? And temperament and personality compatibility. How do they handle problems, stressors, crises? You want to see that. How about the day-to-day routine? Do your family and friends support them? Or are they frantically waving a red flag that you just aren't seeing? Many marriages have survived incompatibility, and yours can too. But why put yourself in a hard place from the start? And perhaps you're married this morning and thinking in your mind, man, my marriage, we're totally incompatible. So my advice and admonition to you would be stay together. Keep working together on your marriage. Pray that your spouse gets saved and wants to grow spiritually. Here's the second thing I would say to that young Christian single. Begin and maintain a marriage enrichment program from day one. Oh, that's a mouthful. Another way of saying that would be have some kind of a plan to keep working on your marriage. The first 12 months can set the course for the rest of your marriage. Patterns that you put in place early on can last a lifetime. Deuteronomy 24, 5, interesting verse, says, If a man has already married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year, he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he has married. So that's our job assignment, guys. Bring happiness to your wife. Now, military service was obviously required in Israel then and even today. A tiny little nation like that would never have survived without compulsory military service. The exception, as we see here, was for newlyweds. I think about American weddings. They cost a small fortune and are oftentimes stress-filled. Then the couple goes on a honeymoon, and 
Sometimes that's even to a foreign country where they live this fantasy, surreal existence for a week. And then they come back home and set up house. They both probably have to work long hours. They probably adopted the world's value system that says you have to have it all right now. And they often go into debt to buy new furniture to put in the new house they just bought, along with the new cars and all the new clothes. And then sometimes children come along right away and they have no time for each other. So we have to be very intentional as Christians, young people, to fight off the world and cultural challenges that want to impose itself on our marriages. Now, I know most husbands and couples can't stay at home for the first year of their marriage. So what are some things that they can do? Here's some things that I've found that work well. Have a date day just for the two of you. For Kathy and I, that's been Friday for a long, long time. That's our Sabbath. That, that's our time together. Uh, we try to lay down the things of the daily routines and the cares and concerns that we carry. At least lay those things down on Friday and just be together. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Just being together is the main thing. I've also th- we've also found that vacation time is really important. Before the kids came along, after the kids came along, especially those family vacations made so many great memories. But even now that they're gone, we find that getting away to relax and rest is really important. Part of your marriage enrichment can be books. There, now there's so many great resources out there for Christian marriage. The Right Now Media, which our church is a part of, lots of good stuff on that as well. Go through a book together and read it and discuss it. And pray together. I find that a lot of Christian couples don't pray together. And that's baffling. you got to. That, that, you have a built-in prayer partner. And the Word of God tells us if two or more will agree on something. So there's your two right there. You and your spouse. And fellowship with other couples who are investing in their marriage. If you're sowing good seed into your marriage right from the start, you have a better chance of reaping a marathon marriage. Here's a third thing, bit of advice to you today. When you get stuck, get help fast. Maybe you've been stuck in the mud, probably not, but maybe you've been stuck in the mud in your car or in the snow. And if, if, you, if you try to gun it and get out, you really almost quickly dig yourself in deeper. So I was always told, just kind of rock it slowly back and forth. And, you know, you just kind of work your way out. And you can. Sometimes that works. But sometimes you rock yourself right down into an even deeper hole and you're up to your axles in mud. So if you were like me, you were taught to take responsibility for your life. Figure it out yourself. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't bother other people. Don't ask for help. You can do this on your own. But then you find out sometime in your life, married life or just your life in general, you get stuck up to your axles and you have to stop the car, get out, walk in the mud and go get help. So why not get that help right away? I think it's pride that oftentimes stops us from reaching out and help. What will they think of me? We've only been married a few months. We can't go for help. Well, why not at least ask for God's help immediately? Why is God oftentimes the last resort? We've tried everything else on our own, and then we think, yeah, I should pray about this. Pray about that right away. Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, God is inviting us to call to me. 
And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Also, James chapter 1 and verse 6. Didn't include that verse in the sermon notes, but that's a great one too. That if you lack wisdom, ask God. He'll give you wisdom. Sometimes the problems are too deep. More candy and flowers are not going to fix this issue. You need to get to the root of the problem, but the root is down in the mud, which you can't see. And oftentimes the husband becomes silent and just withdraws and goes to his garage or workshop. You need help. Proverbs 11:14 says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. Do you have someone that you can call on when you're in trouble? A parent, a trusted friend, a pastor, an elder, a Christian counselor. Get help fast. Why? Because of the hardness of heart. Our, our human hearts get hard really quickly. We stop communicating with each other. We begin to drift apart. We're tired of fighting. We just want this over with. And if our heart gets too hard, it can get to a point where it's too late even for the professional counselor to help. So at first sign of trouble, reach out to someone. If you do that, you're going to go a long way in helping your marriage go the distance. The final thing I want to say today is commit yourself to Jesus and spiritual growth. Commit yourself to Jesus Christ and spiritual growth. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I believe the best foundation for a marriage to be the fullest and most joyous it can be is to have a foundation of Jesus A personal relationship with him. Now, that's not to say that unsafe folks can't have a happy marriage. I've seen them. They seem pretty happy. And we know that unsafe marriages can go the distance, too. I've seen that. So I liken the difference to television sets. I think of the unsafe marriage like a black and white TV set. Yeah, you see all the same shows. And I liken the Christian marriage to a color TV set. It's much more vivid and alive because we have God. The Christian couple has God as their strength and resource. And God is the one who through his power, he adds color and unique dimensions to your marriage. I remember a conversation Kathy and I had shortly after we were married, probably two months or less. And I wanted her to think about what will it be like for us in heaven? What do you think we'll be doing? And she said, I think we'll be worshiping Jesus. And so I said, well, I kind of picture a little cottage in heaven with a white picket fence around it and me and you living there together for eternity. And I realized, wow, her answer is a lot more spiritual than mine. But I still hope mine is true. The Christian couple has resources that the non-Christian doesn't. They have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. They have God's love, which never runs out. His mercies are new every morning. The Christian has God's word, which can provide all the guidance that you need for just about everything that you will ever face. We have a prayer answering God. That's who we serve, who still does miracles today. And if you fail... He'll forgive you. And you have a new family if you're connected with a church family. 
You have a group of other believers who will stand by you and support you and encourage you and pray for you. Because someday, sadly, you'll admit your spouse to the hospital, not knowing if they'll ever come home. Or or someday, the ambulance with sirens blaring will be racing to get to your house. And someday, perhaps, you'll walk away from the gravesite dressed in black. And if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will have a peace and comfort that is supernatural. Yes, you'll grieve, but you have the hope that you will see them again someday. And God will give you strength to get through each and every day. And I know many of you widows and widowers have experienced just that. But if you're not saved, then you're going to go it alone. Or at best, have some human support. So a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ is the very best decision that you will ever make, even above the very important decision of who you'll marry. Having Jesus Christ guiding your life, helping you walk, will help you walk that entire marathon of 26.2 miles. And the Christian life is a little bit like a marathon, and it begins with the first step. And perhaps you haven't taken that first step today. The step of inviting Jesus Christ into your heart as your Savior. So as we bow our heads, if everyone would do that, please, and close your eyes. And we're going to pray. I'm going to close with prayer. But I just want to give an opportunity this morning to to someone who might be in our midst today that has never really surrendered their life, their will, their heart to Christ. If you're ready to make that commitment this morning, you want to raise your hand. Just slip up your hand. I just want to be able to pray for you this morning. Does anyone need to make that commitment? A commitment to Christ as Savior today. Okay, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word and truth from Scripture with the folks today about marriage. And I do pray for our marriages that they will be rock solid because they have a foundation of Christ. And for those that are not married, that want to be married, I pray, Lord, that you would lead them along the path you want them to go, whatever that is. Thank you, Lord, for this time together today to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for a closing song. What has God lifted from you? Has God lifted something from you? Maybe you can fill in the blank.